Hey, spirit child. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, or else we would be exhibiting dark psychic forces. Hey, man, don't knock Marianne Williamson because I am here for what she is bringing to the table. I didn't knock her. I'm knocking those dark psychic forces. Yeah, I'm knocking those dark psychic forces, too. <laughs> Fuck those dark psychic forces. I've had enough. <sighs> Honey, and they are at play. They are a play. And it is rough out in these streets. I mean, America is falling in on itself like my first nose job. <laughs> God, that's a terrible image. But we can rebuild it. It can be stronger and leaner, like my second nose job. Have you had two nose jobs? Well, I've only had one nose job, but I've had nose surgery twice because I broke my nose and then I had surgery just to fix it. And then I had surgery a year later to make it less Jewish looking. Right. Yeah, that's part of my broken 20s. And uh, I actually uh, had a soul retrieval for the spirit of my nose. Oh, right. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, there's a belief, uh, particularly by the Konibo uh, native people in South America, that every spirit or every body part has a spirit. And if there's trauma to a body part, then the spirit leaves. And so when I was at my intensive, I had someone retrieve the spirit of my nose. Wow. And the spirit of my nose said, I am a royal nose and you discarded me. How, how do you feel about that? I mean... The spirit of my nose was right. It was a royal nose, and I totally discarded it because I wanted my nose to look like everybody else's nose. But now he's back, and he's fine. He's, like, not here to make me feel bad. No, but do you feel the nose back in some way? Yeah, I actually do feel my nose more. Like, how does that exhibit for you? Like, I literally feel it on my face. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Because when you get a nose job, I mean, it's pretty intense, and it literally is a trauma on your face, and there's a lot of lack of sensitivity that's a result of it. Oh, okay, I've never had one, so. Well, how nice for (laughs) you. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, in any event... uh, that's a lot more talking about my nose than I intended to do, but what yeah. are you going to do? I'm committed to vulnerability. But uh, you were talking about soul loss retreat. and yeah, soul, soul retrieval, and, and that is our deep dive today. I'm really excited, everyone, to bring you a very special edition of The Spiritual Gaze, and we're going to deep dive into what is soul loss and what is soul retrieval, which is a really powerful shamanic healing practice, what I like to call kind of the big uh, muscle of shamanism. All right, cool. I'm excited to dig in. But before any of that, we should probably just introduce ourselves because you're probably like, who are these two weirdos talking about their nose jobs? Yeah, that tired old shtick. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm Angel Lopez. I am an astrologer. I'm also a film producer and a writer. And I am your husband. You are my husband. (laughs) I'm Brandon Alter. I am a shamanic healer. I am a tarot reader and teacher. I am a writer and a performer and uh, an all-around queer weirdo. Well, ditto that as well over here. Hey, witch. But yeah, uh, why don't we do a little check-in biz? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, how how are you? I'm doing well, I have to say. I'm going full speed, and I'm definitely having trouble slowing down and taking breaks. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more a mentality issue around feeling as though I need more break time than I do because I get a lot of sleep. Like I get a good seven, eight hours of sleep a night, but I think there's this invisible ceiling or this self-limiting belief I have around like what can be done in a day or how much I can do before I need 
my reserves to be filled back up again. And so I think I'm just kind of coming up against that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I am really busy and I am doing a lot and I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah, but I do think it's interesting to see you grappling with how to relax because I think you were someone who thought you were really good at relaxing. But I was just stoned. Exactly. Yeah, and now that I don't have that luxury... Figuring it out is interesting. Yeah. What about you? Check in with me about what's going on in your life. Uh, it's well, as you know, <laughs> it's been a bit of a roller coaster. It has. Yeah, the last couple of weeks have been all the way to the tippy top of the up, and kind of all the way down to the bottom of the low. Peaks and valleys, we call that. Yeah. Uh, but highlights. I went to Vegas and got to go see Janet Jackson with some friends and actually got to meet her, which was really amazing. Okay, slow down. You just kind of threw that out there so casually. You met Janet Jackson. Yeah, I got to meet Janet, who I've been such a fan of for so long. I saw her very first tour, the Rhythm Nation tour, when I was like 13. And uh, yeah, I've just been a fan since the Control album. I mean, she's been a part of my life. So it was really amazing well first off she opened the show like descending on a large Taurus symbol singing one of my favorite songs the song empty from the velvet rope album and that already made me feel this like massive kinship with her um but then yeah getting to go backstage and actually talk astrology with her which we did which was so cool and she's recently interested in it so <laughs> that's been really really fun i mean she's always made reference to being a taurus but uh she told me that she just like had her chart done for the first time and like a month ago and uh was talking about yeah learning that there's a, a moon and a rising so that was really fun <laughs> Get to just like talk briefly about astrology and say to jan jackson well i'm an astrologer and have her be like no way that's so cool i mean talk about a crazy moment i mean <laughs> but so cool that's so cool it was really cool i couldn't even receive it in the moment because i was trying desperately to cling to my body during the whole process uh you know and i I actually don't think I get that starstruck because I've worked in sort of the Hollywood world for a while now. So, and I've met a lot of, you know, famous people. Uh, but Janet was definitely, I mean, she's up there. So it was a moment. Well, we could clearly yeah. talk about this for a really long time, but we have so much to talk about. So I think we should just slide into our cosmic update so we can slide into our deep dive. So put on your spacesuits and come into the Spiritual Gaze Galactic Rocket Ship because it's time for this episode's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. So I think the big thing that uh, recently just happened is that Mercury went direct out of its retrograde Hallelujah. phase. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but it's now still in its retrograde shadow phase where it will be till about the 15th. So it's moving forwards, but it's retracing some of that territory it's already been over. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll be moving through there till about the 15th of the month. Um, And really, it's just 
a continuation of it. Obviously, like the forward momentum is back and we're there, but we're still retracing steps. We're still revisiting some of the things that went on. And we're basically revisiting the window from June 20th to July 8th. So it's helpful to go back and take a look at what was going on in that time for you because we're now you know, tracing steps that we already took. Were there lessons there that popped up for us? And have we been able to integrate things that have come up for us between July 8th and now so that we can move forward if the lessons pop up again or things are, you know, themes around those lessons pop up again for us and we can respond to them with a bit more knowledge, you know, and a bit more understanding. Um, and Basically, we walked up to four degrees Leo on July 8th, just so you know, and then we ha we had a slow down from that point, you know, and for some, it was probably even a fall apart and put yourselves back together again. I feel like a lot of people were really in this space of not just reviewing, but restarting. And now that we're in the forward momentum place, you can really begin again. So it's even important to pay attention to where you have the last degrees of Cancer and the first degrees of Leo in your chart, because that's an area in your life where all of this is really trying to take root and grow. So the ideas around everything that came up for you, you know, in regards to your mentality and communication, you know, we find ourselves revisiting those old thoughts and ideas, you know, sometimes even stemming back to our youth. So regardless of the source, it was emotionally based. It was very internally focused for us. You know, there might have been people, places, or things from your past showing up for a return visit, you know, which can initially throw us off balance and raise all kinds of questions for ourselves. But, you know, it's just important to remember that not all ghosts are necessarily bad. Uh, you know, some ghosts of the past will come around to remind us of pieces of ourselves that we left behind or that we lost along the way. And they can force you to replay images of who you've been as a way to reflect to you where you need to go. And then coming up uh, around the week of August 12th, it's a pretty potent time because Mercury is actually going to finally move back into Leo and be full steam ahead in Leo. And Venus, Mars, and the Sun are going to all be moving through Leo as well. So everyone's going to be sort of going after what they feel is theirs. Uh, but, you know, just pay attention and know that if your plan doesn't align with someone else's, that you still need to look for a compromise. Don't just like wage a war just to, you know, be dramatic. You know, approach it with a sense that you both can win in the end. Uh, you know, and if that doesn't seem doable, then just kind of go off and create something on your own for now, you know, knowing that collaboration will, you know, come around like in Libra season, which, you know, is some time from now. Uh, It'll and, be here before we Yeah, know that's it. so true. It will be. Uh, and then Jupiter and Uranus, they're also having transition energy too that week of the 12th. Uh, Jupiter is moving direct. Uranus is going into retrograde phase. And Jupiter's been in, in its retrograde phase since April. So whatever momentum that you felt you had going from the start of the year up until mid-April is now back in full motion. So, oh, I need it. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, ideas, thoughts, energy that we were feeling excited for then but then maybe felt like oh wait I don't know if I have all the tools uh, that I need to manifest this you know we had now are in that space you know so we had a little bit of a loss of momentum um, 
But, you know, like with Mercury, it was all just up for review is really how to look at it. You know, Jupiter's concerned with personal growth. It's concerned with abundance. So, you know, we just had to make sure that what we were growing was true to our spirit, you know, that it was true to our personal beliefs because that's Jupiter and that's Sagittarius. Uh, and, you know, we had to really pause to question our beliefs. You know, what do we care about cultivating right now? It's Sagittarius. It's our philosophical mind. You know, who are we? Why are we here? So, you know, hopefully we've had some experiences in the past four months that have caused us to ask those questions. You know, what do we believe is true for ourselves? Now we get to move forward knowing what we know, better equipped, more honest with ourselves. And, you know, hopefully some optimism and abundance can come back in the picture in a stronger way. And I feel like we all could really use that. Uh, and it's going to be moving from 14 to 24 degrees in Sagittarius. So know that anything you have in that space, uh, anywhere in your chart is being activated. How have you grown is the question around those things. So I know for myself, for example, I actually have Neptune in the seventh house at 14, at 16 degrees Sagittarius. So Jupiter is basically stationing right on my Neptune. Oh, I have Uranus. Oh, really? Where it's stationing? In Sagittarius at 18 degrees. Oh, so there you go. So it's really, this is all really, there's major review then around those pieces for us. So for me around, yeah, like spiritual union in relationships, but also disillusionment in relationships, seeing relationships for what they really are. And for me around my own kookiness. Right. <laughs> when your own authenticity. And creativity. Yeah. Like who are you really inspired to be? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> You're going to show us, honey. And then it ultimately is really like saying, you know, let's let's bloom in a way that helps you grow, you know, in the you know, towards your right authentic self. I think it's also important to understand that Jupiter is actually making a square to Neptune right now and it's doing so up through October. So, you know, that's brought a lot of disillusionment for people. I think, you know, it, it, it really just brings a lot of reality. You know, it's a real wake up call for people, you know, and that's good, though. You need the wake up call because you can't live asleep completely. And I think that that's where we get to. I mean, you look at what's going on just in our country right now, you know, that it's it really is like this time to like, let's wake up people like, you know, you have the whole conversation around like. Thoughts and prayers don't do any good. You know, like we have to do real tangible thing. And that is really actually a good example of the conversation. And granted, I mean, we live in a world that's built on thoughts and prayers. But thoughts and <laughs> prayers need to inspire action. Exactly. And as spiritual people, we know that you have to take spiritual action in the world. You can't just sit in your ashram and pray the pain away. Exactly. You so have this, to take action. Exactly. So this is saying, you know, what is the line between having faith and being delusional? And I think that's really important, you know, so remember that, you know, it's important that we take, you know, that we leap and we take risks, but, you know, that it could come with some serious real world challenges, you know, and you got to get real honest with yourself, but still have faith and know that your truth will have consequences. But it ultimately just comes down to there's work to be done. And what is that work? And are you willing to do it? And um, lastly, as I mentioned, you know, Uranus is shifting into a retrograde phase. It shifted in, it's in Taurus at the early degrees, and it shifted into Taurus in March, but it's going to retrograde back to two degrees. It's at six right now. It's going to go back to two where it was in mid-April. 
Uh, so there's lots of energy around that window of time for all of us too. Um, you know, Uranus is concerned, like we mentioned, authenticity, creativity, and it's in Taurus, which is about building. So it's time to reflect on, you know, what we've started to build for ourselves, what we've been creating, what we've been manifesting, and are we allowing our full, unique self to emerge in that process? What piece of yourself, you know, that, you know may feel new? And are you allowing yourself to work with it in a way that is helping you manifest what you want? Or do you need this retrograde time to kind of marinate in it a little bit and get comfortable in this new space and this new piece of your authentic self? So it's okay if you're you know, still feeling a little uncomfortable about, you know, some of the new pieces of yourself that you're uncovering, you're going to move forward and just know that you're in this space right now. And it's going to go really up until January where you'll be fully back into like moving forward in it. And, you know, January is going to bring us the Saturn Pluto conjunction, which we've been talking about every time we talk about astrology. And we'll talk about it even more probably later in the year. But, you know, ultimately, like, what all of this is about is that, you know, that we are just headed toward big changes. And it's important now more than ever to just believe in ourselves, to step into our authentic truth, to release the fears that we've been carrying around with us for far too long, and that we must just be ready to take responsibility for who we want to be in this lifetime. That's, that's the tea. That's really beautiful. And I actually think taking responsibility for who you want to be in this lifetime leads us into talking about soul retrieval and soul Ooh, loss. Oh, girl, then let's... So thank you for that juicy, juicy cosmic update. That's a lot of fucking heavenly energies to deal with. And you can work with it so it doesn't work you over now that you know what's up. Yeah, so I love that. Work with it so it doesn't work you over. Hey, patent it. <laughs> spiritual gaze, trademark. <laughs> T-shirt. Uh, T-shirts. Go to the store. Just kidding. There's no store yet. Yet. All right, so now for the main event. Put on your bikinis, everybody, because it's time for this episode's Deep Dive. So before I even get into talking about soul loss and soul retrieval, I just want to say this can be an intense subject. And I just want you to understand that if hearing me talk about soul loss and soul retrieval triggers you in some kind of way, take some deep breaths, put your hand on your heart, and know that the intention for this episode is really to bring about some personal healing and to help you understand perhaps why you've been feeling the way that you've been feeling for a good long time. Because the truth is, most of us in contemporary culture are suffering from some degree of soul loss. And perhaps you've never even heard that term before, but now through hearing me kind of explain what soul loss is, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, I have some soul loss. And don't freak out too much because welcome to the club. And so the point is not for you to panic and for you to feel that like you have to fix it ASAP because the truth is you've been doing just fine with the amount of soul loss that you have, but trust that there is perfect timing at play and that perhaps just by hearing about this subject right now, it will start the next step of your healing journey. So I just want to diffuse right at the start any sort of panic or anxiety around this subject because truthfully... It's a beautiful subject, and it provides beautiful healing, and I'm really excited to be able to introduce or to deepen your understanding of this subject. 
And I also just want to give some shout outs to a fabulous book called Soul Retrieval by Sandra Ingerman. And if you're interested in this subject, I highly recommend you get it. A lot of what I'll be sharing today comes from that. It also comes from a number of podcasts by Christina Pratt, who has her own podcast called Why Shamanism Now. And I uh, really love what she has to say about the subject. And then, of course, from my own training. So it's a collaboration. And I'm really excited to be speaking about it today. So soul retrieval is a shamanic diagnosis. We're talking shamanism here today. And so it's not psychological. And even though it can support psychological work, I think it's important that we are very clear that soul loss is not the same as disassociation. That is a psychological diagnosis, and soul loss is a shamanic diagnosis, and soul retrieval is a shamanic solution. So what we're talking about is spiritual healing, and it's not mental, emotional, or physical, but if we consider that the spiritual realm is the soil out of which everything grows, then it's not unusual that a spiritual healing can address other issues, but not always. So before we even get into soul loss, I think we probably just need to take a second and talk about the soul. Yeah, let's get into it. Like, what is the soul? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's no one answer for this, but why not just start with the Oxford English Dictionary? Because, hey, why not? Which says, (laughs) you know, the soul is the principle of life, commonly regarded as an entity distinct from the body, or the spiritual parts in contrast to the purely physical. I think of it as like that which endures, our vital essence. And I think it's important to consider that the soul is not one thing, but many. It has many facets or many dimensions to it. In Judaism, because that's my tradition, there are actually three parts or even five parts of the soul that I just thought we would go through really quickly because it's an interesting way of thinking about like, what is my soul? So in the Old Testament, the three parts of the soul are the ruach, which is like the spirit of the soul or like the seat of your emotions. And then the nefesh, which is like the soul of the body, your animal instinct, the physicality of the soul. Um, like the soul manifest in your body. Um, And then the nishama, which is like your higher self. So even just like those three parts, you're like, oh yeah, I do kind of feel into that. Like I've got a higher self and I've got like my own emotional truth and I've got just like my animal instincts, like the soul of my body. And then in Kabbalah, there's two more parts that kind of get thrown in, which is the chaya, which is like your sixth sense or your intuition, which makes sense. You think like, oh right, that comes from the soul. And then also the, the yahida, which is like the pure spark, like your piece of the oneness, like your holy drop from the divine ocean. And so all five of these parts kind of weld themselves together to make up your soul. And one belief is that when you die, these parts separate and then they get put back together in a new combination. And so every time you come back here, it's a little bit different. Interesting. Just something to think about. I really love that because I actually feel like that's in line with how I think of the soul. I really think of it as a combination of energetic pieces that make up all of our different bodies, you know, like our spiritual body, our emotional body. Uh, But I really do vibe with the idea of it separating out because I I ultimately look at it as just like energy, you know? Yeah. The soul is really our, just our massive energy body. And I really like to, I think, 
come from an astrological perspective, even that, you know, it's energy that's out there in the universe and we sort of go back out there and, you know, disperse and then are somehow, you know, drawn back to Earth in a new form. But we still bring a collection of pieces from us, and which is why sometimes we connect to the similar people or we have connections with people from a different lifetime, but they're brief and all of that stuff. So I think it's really interesting. It's really like the the blueprint on some level, the energetic blueprint. Yeah, that there can be many different soul configurations that you go through from lifetime to lifetime. Yeah, I love that. So why does it matter if we have all of our soul or not? Why? Well, okay, in my heart... I believe that the reason we're here on the earth plane in the first place is so that we can manifest our soul. Like that's the point of being here. Yeah. And so we can like live our soul's true purpose. Mm -hmm. So when we're suffering from some degree of soul loss, it means that some sense of ourself is like fundamentally not here. Do you know what I'm saying? So how we even think of ourselves is totally distorted. It's incomplete because literally like we're not all here. But we came here complete? Yes. Okay. I believe so. Okay. That the soul comes here fully complete. Mm-hmm. Um, although there was a question that came in, which was about like soul loss from past lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is possible. Right. But it's important to deal with your life as it is now before I think you should go meddling into your past lives. Like heal this life first. And then when you feel like you've gotten to a place of resolution with that or to some degree of resolution, then you can go back. Well, don't you think that some of our soul pieces that came in here brought those issues with them, which is part of the curriculum of this lifetime? Yes, but issues is different than soul loss. Mm, and okay. so so let me just dive in and let me define soul loss here. Yeah. Okay, so soul loss is literally whenever we experience trauma, and we can be very broad with what we consider trauma, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But whenever we experience some sort of trauma, a part of our vital life essence separates from us in order to survive the experience by escaping from the full impact of that pain. So I have a friend who really didn't like the term soul loss because she was like, I would never lose part of my soul. Like, that's outrageous. Like, I wouldn't like misplace it, you know? (laughs) And she's right. Our soul is sacred. We wouldn't just throw it away. But I think one way to engage with this concept is to almost think of it as like soul sacrifice. Like a part of your soul literally takes one for the team. It says, I will suffer this pain so the rest of you can continue on. Because if it didn't, you would probably be spending all of your energy just trying to figure out how to cope with that trauma. So would you consider the state of being in shock, like the physical manifestation of that that moment when the soul sacrifice happens? Yes, exactly. Okay. You know, a car accident, any form of abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, any sort of shock to your system, fear, a fright. These are things that literally cause a piece of your soul to fragment and go off into some other realm. Whoa. And is it like a waiting room? They all go and hang out together? A lot of different places. Sometimes a piece of the soul stays stuck in a place of fear, and other times a piece of the soul goes somewhere beautiful where it doesn't have to engage with it, but it literally takes the memory or the pain away so that you can move forwards. And that's really beautiful, and it's a sign of an intrinsic intelligence at work. But 
the problem is, is that when we lose a piece of our soul, we very quickly adapt to that lack. And then we lose more of our soul and we adapt to that. And pretty quickly, we've become quite adaptive at being a fraction of who we are. Mm. And that's something you can probably see in this country based on our addiction and our compulsion and our desire to be so numb. Right. I'm not trying to scare you here because if you think about like 50% soul loss is like a coma, okay? So like you've got at least 50%. So like don't freak out. You know what I'm saying? Um, and some soul parts are really big and some soul parts are smaller. So personally, you know, since I've started doing this work, I have received nine soul parts. And I have had a fair amount of trauma in my life. I'm queer. I am, you know, a deeply spiritual human that doesn't necessarily like fit into the society in which I grew up in. And I have a legacy of sexual abuse in my family. So like, that's a lot, you know, there might only be one or two key parts that are really waiting for you to retrieve them and you'll be good to go. And I think it's important to, to just explain that sometimes it happens in an instant, like a car accident, falling off a ladder, some sort of abuse, but sometimes it's a little bit more cumulative, meaning that like it doesn't happen all at once, you know, like it's a series of events and then one small thing just like triggers that fracturing. So like for me, you know, it could be like, I didn't want to go to school because I was gay as fuck and I got teased a lot. And then I just woke up one morning and I was like, I just can't go to school today. Mm -hmm. And having to go to school that day is what caused the soul loss. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Or, you know, like you raised your hand in class one day and you answered a question wrong and maybe like nobody even laughed at you, but the teacher was like, no, that was wrong, Sandy. And that mortification, literally, you couldn't, you couldn't stomach it. And so you lost that piece of yourself. Right. It's attached. So I think it's really important just to say that like there's no hard and fast rule. There's no one thing that always causes soul loss. It is specific to every person. Like if you ever say, I was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. Probably a sign of some soul loss. Yeah. Or if you said like, I wanted to die. Probably a sign of soul loss. Okay. So to that, can the opposite of that occur? You know, you said you have a moment where I'll never be the same again, but do you, can you have a moment of, I don't know, greatness, excellence, joy, you know, you win an Oscar, like, do, <laughs> and that's like your dream. You get married. Is there any sort of soul retrieval that can occur on that level? Or I guess ret not retrieval, but like a, a rebuild to some degree or no? No, because these are specific parts. So like the part of you that left at seven because you couldn't handle mommy and daddy fighting is not going to come back just because you won an Oscar. No, but if the part of you where you detached because you didn't believe in your creativity, some traumatizing moment occurred around that and that piece was lost and then you win an Oscar or a Tony, whichever. Is, since they are related subject-wise, or no? My point of view on this, and I could be totally wrong, is that you will never win an Oscar until you get that piece of your soul back. Oh, okay. Like, if you lose the piece of your soul that's connected to your belief and your creativity, until you get that piece back, you are always going to doubt your own creative brilliance. Got it. Because these are fundamental parts of ourself. And the most soul loss usually happens up until about the ages of, like, 20, 21. And so, just to say a couple more things about this, like, the soul may leave a child who doesn't feel loved... 
uh, who feels abandoned by his or her parents, you know, continual neglect. It could be in a relationship where the partner doesn't support the dreaming of somebody else. Um, surgery, catastrophes that happen. In each of these cases, the traumatized person literally escapes to survive the ordeal. And I think there's also an element of something hereditary about soul loss. For example, like if you have a lot of alcoholism in your family, then you can realize that there's a legacy of soul loss that's happening because alcoholism would mean that you're growing up probably in an environment that doesn't support you. And so then you lose a piece of your soul and then perhaps you fall into addiction. And addiction can not only be the cause of soul loss, but can also be the result of soul loss. Mm, okay. So again, I think it's important just to kind of feel in. And sometimes the soul part remains in a past moment of his or her life while the outer world continues to move on. So they can be anywhere. And in shamanic terms, that means that they can be in the upper world, the lower world, or the middle world. So symptoms of soul loss, and I'm just going to go through this. And again, if you're sitting there and you're going like, oh, fuck, I have soul loss. Like, again, like, welcome to the club. Like, don't panic. It's just part of being here. And it is something that can be solved pretty easily. Um, it's a pretty easy practice for any initiated shaman just to go and get your soul parts and bring them back. But symptoms of soul loss include like not feeling present, feeling checked out, depression, a sense that something is missing or there has to be more to life than this, feeling like you don't belong, feeling like you don't want to be here, chronic medical issues. And so that kind of gets into what we were talking about earlier, like sometimes chronic medical issues that just don't seem to get better are a result of some sort of spiritual illness, which is what soul loss is. It's a spiritual illness, an illness of the soul. Um, life issues that don't heal. So like chronic persistent patterns or behaviors or emotions that like you can't resolve, even though you're doing the work, even though you're trying to transcend it, but you can't generally soul loss, um, significant memory gaps, uh, difficulties moving forwards. And in a more poetic way, I would just ask you, like, when did you stop singing? Or when did you stop dancing or stop praying or stop playing or writing stories or making art? Like, when did you stop feeling alive or having conversations with your imaginary friends or the hidden spirits in nature? Like, these key moments can be an indicator of soul loss. I never stopped doing any of those things. Well, there you go, honey. And I remember when I first listened to an episode on soul loss and I was just sitting there driving my car and I was like, well, I'm pretty resolved. I don't think I have any soul loss. And I just didn't want to admit the fact that, like, there have been significant traumas in my life that aren't necessarily the cinematic traumas that we think of. So just being alive in contemporary Western culture is pretty fucking traumatic, y'all. And we live in a culture that isn't that interested in cultivating your soul essence. It's more interested in cultivating you as a consumer. And so it's not unusual that all of us are missing a vital piece or two. Right. Instead of saying soul loss, can I just say I have soul holes? You totally can. That's cute. I love that. So soul loss is an adaptive strategy to the original trauma. Leaving the body is at the time the most intelligent way to escape the full weight of that horror. So soul retrieval is literally the returning of the life essence that should be with that person but isn't. What was lost is now restored. 
this is a simple practice, like I said, that any initiated shaman can do. And this is something that I do in my shamanic healing practice. So if you want to reach out to me and you're located in Los Angeles, by all means, do that. But wherever you are, I guarantee you there are people that are trained to do this and just start to do some research. And it shouldn't cost you a fortune. And I would say there's no prescription here, but generally you go and get a session and you get one to five soul parts returned. You work with those soul parts for a period of time, make sure they're integrated, notice what gifts they bring back. And then maybe in a year or a year or two, you go and get another set of soul parts because remember you lose and then you adapt and then you lose and then you adapt. So you can't get them all returned to you at once because you wouldn't be able to contain or handle it because you've slowly adapted to not being who you are. So to get all of who you are back at once would be another like deep shock to your system. And we don't live in a culture or even in a community that would support that. So you have to take it slow. It's a slow rebuilding of those soul holes. Mm -hmm. And are there ways for people to retrieve soul parts without doing some sort of shamanistic practice? Not really. And again, that's because this is a shamanic diagnosis. So it's within the container of shamanism. So you need somebody who understands shamanism to do this for you. And while I have had one or two spontaneous soul retrievals when I was journeying, it's not something that you can really do for yourself. I would say it's rare um, because this is your own blind spot. You literally sacrifice this part of yourself so that you didn't have to deal with this moment in time. And so you may not be able to go and find it and uh, engage that part in conversation and encourage it to come back. It takes somebody who's neutral and objective to do it for you. Right. But are there other, I guess, are there non-shaman-based practices that on, on some level can equate this type of process? I would say no, just because... I think it's important when we're talking about shamanism to not compare it to anything else. So that's why I'm like, it's not dissociation. That's a psychological modality. Like we're talking about a spiritual healing. And so soul loss is a shamanic issue. And so you need shamanic healing to make it better. Okay. Whereas if you feel like you're dealing with disassociation, then you should go and, you know, work with a psychologist. And what exactly is disassociation? Like it's a mental diagnosis where you are literally like disassociating from yourself mm, fragmenting it. of the mind but this is fragmenting of the soul right and a metaphor that i like to use a lot is just like if you imagine your soul like a diamond and there's all these million facets as you move through your life and these shocks to your system cause true fright these facets some of them just go somewhere else so that the integrity of the diamond can be maintained. Right. Okay. So I guess I'm just trying to like break this down so that I understand it on like a practical level. And I think I do in the sense of, for example, I think I had issues with relationships and believing I deserved a strong equal relationship. And, and I think on a, I think that was like a psychological issue for me. Yes. That through therapy and like my own sort of mental self-healing work, I was able to get to a place where I could have a real legitimate relationship. But then there are other aspects of my life, for example, my self-confidence around my creativity that I've tried fucking 
therapy, Reiki, you know, <laughs> I feel like I've tried so many different things and they haven't really hit, but that could be because I haven't approached them. And I actually have now with you, but I think, but hadn't really approached them from like a soul level. I was trying to approach them from a like, well, maybe it's in my diet. Maybe it's all this totally. Other stuff. And that's a great point because you can be working with both of these things at the same time. Go to therapy for the psychological healing that you need, 100%. Yeah. But respect that if you've been in therapy for a really long time and you're just kind of stuck in the trauma that and it's not getting better and you're just kind of like living in the hurt of it, that there might be some deeper, different modality that can help restore your fullness and your vitality, which is soul retrieval. Got it. And I think... You just have to trust the timing of it, that you can't rush this, that you're listening to this podcast today because some part of you is ready to acknowledge this, and maybe some part of you isn't, and when you are ready, you'll come. You can't force the parts to come back. The most important thing for people that come to see me for shamanic healing is that they are open, they are ready and willing, and they understand that when they get their soul parts back, their life is going to change. And they are going to have to change their life in order to accommodate these parts of themselves that have not been with them for maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. You can lose parts as early as, as being an, a baby. And you can lose parts as late in life as, you know, as you're alive. I had a major accident when I was like two years old. I'm sure I lost some sort of peace in that trauma. Probably. But again, there's no guarantee. What causes soul loss for one person may not cause soul loss for another person. Mm -hmm. So we can't say a car accident is always going to cause soul loss, but you feel into it for yourself. Okay. And again, you go and you see an initiated shaman and they can literally journey and ask and find out exactly what you need. That's how it works, is that the shaman isn't saying like, oh, I know what you need because I'm so smart and wise. The shaman goes and journeys and asks their compassionate helping spirits, and those wise, benevolent spirits are able to diagnose what that person needs. And it's a case-by-case -case basis. So you go, you get your soul parts back, then what? So this is sometimes the most difficult an interesting part of the soul retrieval process is the integration that happens afterwards. And it varies. And there's no way to predict what's going to happen for a particular individual because each of us are unique and our psyche has its own way of dealing with issues that come up. And so the effects of soul retrieval are extremely varied. And that's both short-term and long-term. But a lot of people after a soul retrieval, they just feel more present. Like they feel like they are here, maybe more in their body, maybe colors are brighter, um, sounds, smell, taste are more awakened. They feel bigger. They feel lighter. Um, you know, people who felt ill or depressed or depleted often report feeling a lot more energy or power or strength. You know, I got a soul retrieval a couple of months ago around my issue with smoking pot. And as soon as I got that soul retrieval, I felt high as a kite. Like I felt so alive in my body. I went outside, I danced under the moonlight, and I have not had any desire to smoke pot since that moment. But then I got some other parts returned to me in relationship to that same issue. And those parts brought a lot of anger and a lot of feelings of upset around my chronic usage. And so there's this gamut that can be run. And you also have to remember that sometimes those soul parts are bringing back the emotions that 
the rest of you didn't want to feel at the moment of the trauma. And so you now are older and you have the skills to deal with it, but it's not unusual that there's, you know, a little bit of depression or disorientation or, you know, everything just feels totally different. You feel a little lost, a little confused because literally there's part of you that's like, where am I? (laughs) Like you haven't been here for a good long time. And uh, Sandra Ingerman says she compares this to like leaning to one side for years and years and then suddenly straightening up. And then you literally would experience the world in a much different way. And she goes on to say, to have these soul parts back is both exciting and scary at the same time for most people. Will the connection be smooth? Will it be joyful? Will it bring back pain? What demands will the returning soul make? And although these questions will be answered differently by each person receiving a soul part back, one thing everyone agrees on is that this is a great time of celebration Mm. because you are literally getting yourself back. Right. And that's the point of being here. So that's why I don't look at soul loss as necessarily a bad thing because sometimes you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Mm -hmm. And so you get a part back and you go, oh my goddess, I didn't realize how important this vital essence of myself was. And these soul parts bring back gifts. Every single one of your returned soul parts bring back a gift. And sometimes that gift is just more energy, but sometimes it's your intuition, your creativity, your sexuality. It's pretty profound. So in conclusion... Soul loss, simply put, is just checking out on a deep spiritual level because of some sort of trauma or shock to the system. Mm -hmm. And soul retrieval puts all the cards back on the table. And soul retrieval is something that I think is true or needed for all living beings, including animals and places. Like, have you ever been to a place that just feels dead? Oh, yes. So there's also the possibility that there are some places that could use soul retrieval work as well. And so I just want to talk about one more piece of this, which is really interesting. So you can lose a soul part, but you can also surrender a soul part, meaning you willingly give it to somebody. And this happens a lot, I think, in relationships, romantic or even parental relationships. And there's also something known as soul theft, where you take a piece of somebody's soul. And I think we all participate in soul-taking and soul-giving on some level. Mm. And we do it for a variety of reasons, but the results are the same. You know, the taker is burdened with unusable energy that slows down his or her process, and the one who lost the soul is missing a source of vitality. And just think back to some of your relationships. Did you take a piece of somebody's soul? I'll be totally honest, y'all. Like, in my teens and 20s, I was a soul thief. Like I took a lot of soul parts and only recently in my own shamanic practice did I realize that and then did some serious journey work and ritual to release those parts back to where they came from. It's unconscious. You're not doing it on purpose. But how do you know you did it? Because I journeyed and I asked, did I, did I steal soul parts? But just think back to certain relationships where you may be manipulated or glamored or asserted your own power over somebody. That might have been you taking a piece of their soul or a relationship where you gave too much of yourself, you know, where you gave yourself over to a relationship to somebody and you put it in them. You let them take that piece of you away. Yeah, I think there are more people on this earth walking around with a piece of my soul in their pocket than me having pieces of theirs in mine. Maybe, but sometimes you steal a piece of your of somebody else's soul by, you know, making yourself a martyr. Well, I'm ready to give them back. Yeah. And that's the point is waking up to this 
so that we can return things to wholeness. So again, like if you're sitting there going like, oh, fuck, I'm a fucking soul thief. Like, welcome to the club. Don't beat yourself up about it. Like we've all had this part of being alive. And now you can start to figure out how you want to heal that. Mm-hmm. And again, because we're talking about shamanism, journeying, the act of shamanic journeying is the number one tool in shamanic practice. And journeying is traveling to the spiritual world, the upper, the middle, or the lower world, and connecting with helping and healing spirits who can give you information, power, or healing. And that's how you are able to diagnose what's going on and come up with rituals to release or give back these soul parts. So I am well aware that this was a huge dump of information, but Soul retrieval has been such an integral part of my own process of healing that I really wanted to at least open the Pandora's box of this. And maybe if a lot of questions come in, we can do another episode on it. And again, if you feel like this is something that needs to be taken care of right away, if you're like, oh, I am ready and I am willing to move forwards with more of my soul than I have right now, then I encourage you to look into, you know, certified shamanic practitioners in your area. Um, Sandra Ingerman has a list of people that have trained with her. You can go to the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, which is shamanism.org, and find shamans that have gone through their two-week or three-year training programs. Or again, if you're in Los Angeles, you can reach out to me and we can do the work together, or I can refer you to other really fabulous, talented shamans who I know that can also do the work. But I think the important thing to know is is that there is a solution for this spiritual illness and that you don't have to stay sick you can get better as quickly as you decide to get off your butt and do something about it nice yeah i just had my soul retrieval process with you just a few days ago yeah how are you feeling what's your experience of that well i think as you remember the next the day after i was feeling a lot of emotion I was like angry and then I was sad and then I was, yeah, I was a little all over the place, but I felt like it was a lot about creativity and I, in the last couple of days, feel like I've been able to access my creativity in a way that isn't so precious before, as it was before. Um, it just feels like a bit more of like a right of mine than this thing I have to like strive to try and attain. So that's something I think that's interesting. For yeah. Me that I've noticed. And it's a process. Yeah, yeah. You know, like who knows how long you've been without these parts. So it takes a little time, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, but no more than that to just bring those parts along. Well, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. And it's something you have to engage in actively. You know, you can't just lay there and be like, fix me, and then be like, okay, parts, integrate yourself. You know, it's like you are you are the crucial element in making sure that they are able to integrate and work with you moving forwards. Oh, well, I'm glad you told me that part, because I was just kind of laying there, waiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to carve out space and time, and pay attention to your uh, dreams, and take long walks in nature, and try to feel where in you have these parts returned, and what do they want? And what can you give them? And what gifts do they bring? And why did they leave in the first place? And again, not from a psychological, intellectual, let's talk about it sort of place, but from like a deep, spiritual, subtle place of feeling into what has been restored to you. Well, I'm excited. I'm ready. And I loved learning so much more about that. So thank you, hun. That was great. Yeah, it was um, a real honor to be able to share what I think is 
one of the most incredible and ancient healing practices that's available. Because, you know, the thing is, is like in old cultures, like you would notice soul loss immediately and you would get the soul part back and then life would continue. Right. Like there was no adapting to not having the soul. Like they would be like, oh, wow. Like Gary is different today. Something must have happened to him. He fell off a ladder. He lost a part of his soul. We're scheduling a soul retrieval ceremony for Friday. <laughs> yeah. And Gary's going to be back to normal. Totally. So in this culture, because you can go so many years without those vital parts of your soul is why it's a different process. And we have to allow the process to evolve in order to accommodate our contemporary needs as contemporary people. Yeah. I mean, Twitter, it's just a playground for soul loss and y'all i'm gonna say thank you for mentioning it angel like i think instagram i think social media is a place where we give our souls up a lot like that is a place for soul loss and um soul surrender like in a major major way and maybe like it's over time but like how many times do you like scroll through instagram and you feel like shit like i think some of these social media apps are taking pieces of our soul from us and I'm not saying they're good or bad. We just need to be more intentional in how we use them yeah. because we are surrendering pieces of ourselves. Intentional and with boundaries. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of intentional, it's time to intentionally pull a card for the week. So take a moment, get grounded, get centered. You connect to the cards by hearing me shuffle them. And just know that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. All right. I'm excited to see what it is. I'm feeling like you should pull the card today. I was waiting for you to ask that. Oh, well, honey, today's the day. Finally. So Angel picked the Ace of Pentacles, and then he also flipped over inadvertently the Six of Cups, which we would call a jumper, which I'm going to take as well. So we're working with two cards. And I actually think both of these cards really speak to soul retrieval in an interesting way, because Ace of Pentacles is like a brand new physical beginning. So in a really literal way, it's like a new job, it's moving, it's a new workout routine, but it also would be like a new experience of being alive. Like when you get a soul part returned, it's an Ace of Pentacles moment. You go out into nature and you're like, oh my God, the sky is so blue. Like, oh my God, the wind is so fresh. Oh my God, the birds, they're so beautiful. So I think that for all of us, especially with Mercury having gone direct, there is this sense of like, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. And, and I'm, I'm feeling, feeling good. So wherever you are, just pay attention to that Ace of Pentacles energy that wants to come through. It's like a whole new garden that you have been invited into. And so enjoy all those beautiful earthly delights. And the Six of Cups is all about healing. And it's about the expansion of the heart. And it's about generosity. And it's about giving people what they need. Not giving them more than what they need, which is also true with soul retrieval. It's like you only get the parts that you need at the time that you can handle them. And make sure that you're not overgiving and also trust that you are going to receive the healing that you need based on the way that your life is going. I trust. Life will deliver you the teachings and the healings that you need so long as you're just paying attention and you're saying yes. Yes. Which doesn't mean that you can't set boundaries and sometimes say no. But what are the big invitations in your life? And are you saying no from a place of being scared and trying to stay the same? Or are you ready to pair the Ace of Pentacles with the Six of Cups and begin a whole new healing adventure? 
that's really, I think, what these two cards have to say when they come together is there is a brand new adventure of healing ready for you to step into it, and all you have to do is accept it. RSVP. Yeah, to that gorgeous garden party. Yes, I love it. I love that. Well, that's exciting. I love an adventure. So, and I love healing. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. And I love all of you gazers for listening, tuning in, sharing, rating, reviewing, opening your hearts and your minds and your souls to our offering here. Yeah, and just want to give a few shout outs to some folks. We got some really awesome reviews. Lookbooks NYC. Um, I just love your title, Queens, Quotes, and Quartz. Um, but so cute. Said you shed a little rainbow tear when you found our podcast and thought that's so sweet. And also asked about us hosting an event where we can all meet and connect and boogie down. And I think we'll definitely, that's something that should be in the cards for us. I would love to do that. That'd be so fun. Spiritual gaze, like meditation plus dance party. Yeah. Garden party. Garden party. Uh, Daisy Pop 81, who just gave us some love, a gift of wisdom, humor, and intention, just as we were speaking. Um, but yeah, loving our serious and playful vibe. And uh, yeah, so grateful to give it out. Nessie B, I vibe with your vibe. We vibe with your vibe. We vibe well. with you, Nessie B. Yes, thank you for the shout. Uh, queer Efficient, who we adore. Uh, tell us, talking about listen, laugh, and learn. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for the beautiful words. Um, and you feel like a friend to us as well. Uh, and APWNYC, uh, stating this is your favorite podcast. We so appreciate that. And also just want to give a little shout out to our ladies, Phoebe, Augie, and Priscilla. Priscilla. We just love you. Our youngest listeners, our youngest gazers. Yeah, we know you out there listening. We to know us, you we out there having it. a dance party to this podcast. And yeah, so please be sure to go on and rate us. Five stars is always lovely. Share us with your friends. You can find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram or just Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. Or you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Yeah, email us questions, how this episode is resonating for you, episode ideas for the future. We are here to serve you. Yeah, and we'd love to get a mailbag segment coming up. So Yeah, send us your questions, Gazer. Yeah, girl, let's chat. A big thank you to Juan for making us sound so good and gorgeous. Whoop, whoop. Thanks, Juan. A big thank you to JSim07 for the interstitial musics that keep on giving the beats. Thanks, Justin Simeon. Everyone check out Dear White People Season 3, now streaming on Netflix. And until next time, this has been Your Orbit Through The Spiritual Game.